Hello, hello, and welcome to the Holistic Fitness Podcast, where you'll learn how to get your goals without burning out. I'm your host, Laurie, and this show isn't just about movement and nutrition. You probably already know that exercise and nutrition is important for your mental and physical health and well-being. It's also about stress management, mindset, shedding those limiting beliefs, and working through some of your childhood trauma while you're at it. Today, I'm joined by Kristen Matthews. Kristen is a movement and nutrition practitioner located in Santa Monica, California. Her philosophy is simple. It's about going back to the basics through movement, breath, community, and real food. As a functional nutritionist, Kristen combines both art and science when working with her clients. She specializes in working with cycling and perimenopausal women, those with lingering digestive concerns, such as bloating, gas, heartburn, and leaky gut, and folks with autoimmune disease. With almost 20 years of experience in the wellness industry, Kristen recognized the importance of bio-individuality. She finds so much joy in helping people get to the root cause of their health concerns while walking to, working towards their goals. Each person's journey begins wherever they are, accepting themselves fully and creating a life that brings them joy. In this episode, we chat about hormonal health for women, digestive health, how to reduce stress and the benefit and importance of Pilates. So if you're curious about Pilates, digestive issues or stress management, you'll definitely want to tune in for this one. How are you going today, Kristen? I'm doing really well. I'm looking forward to speaking with you, Lori. I am really excited to speak to you because something I mentioned as a fitness trainer, like not really diving into hormone health as much and not really being a Pilates instructor, like I do a bit of yoga, is talking about the importance of like managing your cortisol hormones and maybe like doing stuff that's a little bit more chill. So I love that I have somebody on the podcast that's, you know, a Pilates teacher and can bring that lens of fitness to this podcast. I love it. Yeah, it's important for sure. Definitely with like the state of the world and just modern world and Mm. the stress level. And I, you know, it's like, go, go, go. I would have thought that the pandemic would have kind of slowed us all down, but somehow right back to where we were. (laughs) Yeah, it is insane. And I don't feel like the modern world really sets us up for success. Before we get started into like, stress management and, you know, go, go, go and burning ourselves out. I would love to know, I feel like any guest that comes on this podcast has some sort of backstory as to why they are here now. So can you give me the context of what I would need to know about your life to know why you help people in the way you do today? Yeah, it's so, you know, I didn't really get here. I grew up in Connecticut outside of New York City. I went to a four-year college, got a master's in sociology moved to Wyoming, to Jackson Hole after college. And mostly because I was like, now what? I I had friends living there. I really had no idea what I wanted to do. A lot of people from where I grew up got into finance, advertising, and that type of stuff. So I was like, I need some time to figure this out. While I was in Jackson, I took a Pilates class and I just like immediately was drawn to it, but really nothing happened while I was there. I just felt some type of connection. I moved back to Connecticut, was trying to find a job in New York City right after September 11th. It was a very weird time in the world. And I was going on these interviews for like 
advertising jobs, you know, and like, fine, it's kind of doing the things that I like thought I was supposed to do and nothing felt right. I mean, I think it was Mm. especially hard after living in nature for three years and then moving back and going into the city. It was, it was a little jarring to my system. I had a really good conversation with a woman who was an HR person at an advertising company that said, I just don't see you in this world in the nicest way. Like you could do it, but I feel like I see you doing something like owning your own business. It's something very small, like just a different, I don't remember exactly. It was many years ago. And then I just realized like, yeah, this isn't what I want to do. So I, so I kind of dove into Plotties because I found it again a few years later. And I just felt like working with people. I have a I was a gymnast, a diver, a dancer. I was always mm. in figuring out ways how to help myself. Pilates really helped my back. I noticed changes in my skiing. So kind of to make a long story short, Pilates was the first kind of the first thing that got me into the wellness industry. And I just grew from there. Mm. And then in my late thirties, gosh, it might, yeah, my late thirties, maybe mid thirties, I started having major energy issues. I was getting these like weird rashes when I would eat certain foods, head to toe, wasn't allergies, didn't have asthma. And I was having these weird attacks. Ended up after going to like five or six doctors, finding out I had Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune thyroid disease. Jeez, yeah. In the process of trying to figure out that that's what was going on with me, I decided I wanted to go through a nutrition program because I just... You know, I'm I'm someone who's like something's going on. I need to figure out what. And I was doing a lot mm. of research, and I was like, I want to learn more so I can help other people. So it really was one kind of I was searching a little bit for kind of my purpose with the Pilates, and that that seemed really a lot of it has been like intuitive. I have to say, like that felt right to me, and. Yeah. And then I never, I have also have ADD, which I didn't get diagnosed until I was older, but going to an office and sitting at a desk was like my nightmare. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't really explain it to people. Everyone's like, you just, a job's a job, Chris. And I was like, ah, this just is not something I can do long-term. So yeah. plus, perfect. I bounce around. I get to, you know, every day is a little different. Um, and then with, with nutrition, I got into hormone testing and gut tests and blood chemistry. So I, you know, I'm always learning. I'm like about to take a, um, a pelvic, it's like a pelvic floor program that's self-paced, but I just love learning. So like always take, yeah. So that's my long-winded answer to that. Yeah. No, that wasn't even long-winded. I want to dive into the details here, Kristen. <laughs> like I, I want to know the deepest, darkest secrets. No, um, with the Hashimoto's though, you obviously like, from what I've observed, from what you've just said, there's been a pivot to more like gut testing, hormone testing, and you know now you're doing some a pelvic course. I'd really love to know like why it evolved from like being a Pilates teacher to hey, I want to provide this kind of service. Like how how does your gut and hormone health play into what maybe you've been through or what you observe others go through? Yeah, that's a great question. So Pilates at first, I remember early on in my Pilates career, having a conversation with a friend of mine, and we both have come so far in our careers, but at the time we were like, we're fine what we're doing. You know, she mm. was the job that she had. I was fine just teaching. I couldn't really picture myself doing anything else, but it kind of just, as you get older and as you gain, gain more experience, if you're someone who likes to teach and likes to mentor people, inevitably you want to grow more. So I got mm training with Pilates. So I teach teachers 
I teach people to be teachers. And then, so that was kind of the first shift I made with that. And then with my own, with Hashimoto's, I think I just realized like, this is not, it's not enough for me to just be able to move people because movement heals, obviously, but yes, but wellness, holistic wellness um, is, is, as we know, it's more than just movement, right? It's movement, food, stress reduction, community. Those are like my things I like to focus on. And so, yeah, with my experience, it was really isolating. And I felt like, again, you go to all these doctors before you get diagnosed and you feel like gaslit to some degree. And I'm also really sensitive and I want to be like, okay, you're the doctor. So, you know, but like something's not right. Like I know Mm. Not right. Like you're telling me things fine. Everything's not fine. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and look, it's like science is ever changing. And I think so. First, I went through the nutrition, and then I realized, like, if I'm able to, I don't, I don't. It's expensive to do some of those tests. I think if someone's kind of tried to change the way they've eaten a little bit and worked on stress, and they're still having major issues, then I go down the testing route because it's not like mm. I want. I want nutrition ideally to be accessible to anyone who wants it, but it's not, it's not, I mean, I shouldn't say it's not, it can be, but those tests can be a little pricey. So they're not always my first go-to, but they're my go-to if people have tried all these things and they are just stuck. Cause then it's like, all right, let's dive a little deeper. Let's peel back the layers. Cause a lot of the times it's just throwing a bandaid on, whereas like we need to find the root of the problem. You know, I don't totally know, like Hashimoto's is, is, um, my mom and my sister both have it. So there's a, clearly there's a genetic component that we all know. And then the other things are lifestyle and environment. So it's like, I hate saying this right now because everything that's going on, but genetics load the gun and then lifestyle and environment pull the trigger. I know I need to find another one. If you have a good other reference for that, I'd love to hear it, but that's like always been that people have used. So you, you have some control over things and then you do a lot. (laughs) Um, and then the genetics are just, they, they're not your destiny. Um, and I had a high, I had a mono when I was 21. There's a possibility that that contributes to Hashimoto's. I mean, I think there's just so much science and that's so much research research that can still be done and all this Mm -hmm. stuff. But And I understand it's not going to take priority over cancer research. I get that, you know, but I do think, I mean, the amount women get thyroid issues, disease five to eight times more than men. And there's minimal, we're 51% of the population and there's just, we need more research on women, right? Anyway, that's my little high horse. Oh my goodness. There is so much that you said though, that I resonate with and on that genetics versus uh, actions you take. I think that even though it's sometimes we grow up or are given circumstances that aren't ideal, being powerless to it is so much more painful. Um, by taking actions, and I was actually the podcast before you, I haven't validated what he cited, but he cited that genetics is 20%, like, but lifestyle is 80%. Like, there is data out there. I don't know where it is. I'm citing something a previous guest said, but, um, it was Drew, Drew Ski, Drew Szczynski. And yeah, he mentioned that. And I noticed that with clients myself in terms of like, 
you may have two obese parents and you may have been obese growing up or, you know, I obviously work more with weight loss and fitness. You work more with, you know, hormone, hormones and, and maybe autoimmune diseases. But there are a lot of actions that we can take, especially if we think about cardiovascular disease as well. Like that's a lot of lifestyle choices, even though you may have a, a risk factor that is genetics. But the way we were taught, I, I did biomedical science at university, the way we were taught taught with medical science is like, these are all your risk factors. Genetics is a risk factor, but also lifestyle is a risk factor, you know? Yeah. You know, th- what has not helped, sadly, I grew up in the 80s is, the, you know, the standard American diet was not yes. helpful to this cause. And then all of these, uh, you know, like myths are out there around, I'm like thinking of the word I want to use, myths are out there around food and what's good for you and what's not good for you. And and there's no hard line, right? Because we all have to listen to our bodies. And obviously, I think it's important to stay on top of, like I get blood work. I do a really comprehensive for myself and I try to have my clients do it, a comprehensive blood panel once a year. Mm-hmm. And I look at more than just your typical, you know, the typical blood work that they do. I want to look at the ApoB gene, you know, the ApoB um, cholesterol marker they're look, they're wanting to you're wanting to look at, not just your LDL and your HDL. Um, I look at A1C, so you know, it's like you want to look at. I look at a really comprehensive thyroid panel, so it's so I can see really where I'm at and what. It's not just the TSH; it's T3, T4, you know, all, reverse T3. So it's important that we're not, to, and it's inflammation. Sorry. So thought yeah. inflammation can contribute to a lot of this stuff, which really comes back to like stress and, sh- and the, and the food that we're eating. That's like processed food, not necessarily just fats, you know, there mm-hmm. are some people with certain genetic, you know, snips, I guess they call them that you, that you have to be careful of saturated fat. That's for sure. And that's a thing. And listen to your body, you know, so many people die and they didn't even know they had heart issues because they're these silent killers. And that's where the like, I think it's good to really stay on top of those things. I don't know. Yes. I, mean, I'm, I can geek out on this stuff all day. Like if I had endless income, I would be like all the time doing all this. Stuff. I just want to know, you know. <laughs> and you will, the way you help people, you'll have plenty of people wanting to learn from you. And then you yeah. can geek out even more and then share the love with everyone. And I think when you are about a subject, you want to share it, like it will come. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you tired of constantly feeling burnt out while trying to achieve your goals? Do you find yourself struggling to maintain motivation and productivity over long periods of time? I'd like to introduce you to the Goal Getting Journal, the ultimate solution for those of you who want to surpass their goals without burning out. Our journal is designed to help you set achievable goals, track your progress, and maintain a healthy work-life balance. With our journal, you'll discover practical strategies for managing stress, staying motivated and avoiding burnout, including time blocking, habit stacking, and so much more. You'll also learn how to prioritize your tasks and maximize your productivity so you can get more done in less time. The Goal-Getting Journal is perfect for anyone who wants to achieve their goals without sacrificing their mental health and well-being. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a student, or just someone who wants to make any positive change in your life, the Goal-Getting Journal can help you stay on track and avoid burnout. And for Holistic Fitness Podcast listeners, you can get 20% off your first journal using the code HF. 
podcast. Go to goalgettingjournal.com and type HF podcast at checkout to get your discount. So what are you waiting for? Order the Goal Getting Journal today and start getting your goals without burning out. I really want to geek out with you on this hormone issue, but something um, that, like about hormone health and digestive health. But before I go there, something that I've heard you say a few times is how your intuition led you to different places. And you also mentioned intuitive eating right now. Um, mm-hmm. And you also mentioned that you know you can be quite sensitive. So when a doctor tells you something and you know that it's not quite right, you're pretty sensitive to that. While it's viable, it's more subjective intuition. How has that played a strong part of your journey? And is anything that you've been able to like help clients with like just getting in touch with that kind of intuitive aspect to improve their health? Gosh, that's such a good question. I think that there's a lot of information out there about diets. And we get inundated with it. And so, you know, people are constantly like, this is what I'm Swiss feeding. This is what I'm Swiss feeding. This is what I'm Swiss feeding. And I am very luckily, I luckily did not grow up in a family that focused on diets. And we weren't even like a fat-free family when that was really big in like the 90s. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, So I kind of ate too much sugar, by the way, though. Like I love my parents, but we were definitely like the house that everyone came over to because we had the sugar (laughs) cereal and the Pepsi and the Coke in the fridge, you know? I mean, so that that's its own, its own thing, but we didn't, there's no food issues really in that sense, which is Mm. lucky. And I know a lot of people do have that. And, you know, that's something you want to work on with a therapist or coach or something. But as far as intuition and eating, I do think that if you can if you can just stop listening to what people are posting as far as like this is what you're supposed to eat and take some deep breaths and actually listen to how your body is feeling it mm-hmm. like if you can tune out all of the stuff out there you your body is your body is smarter than you think it is we tend to feed you know I can a test like I will eat if I'm anxious. I'm not hungry, mm-hmm. but if I'm anxious, I eat and I nibble. I just nibble because it makes me feel better, right? But I I know I do that, so I don't do it as much as I used to. Mm. I used to do it a lot. I mean, a lot, a lot for me. But I have realized that that's. I mean, I'm in my 40s, so like I've I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. I've I've been in therapy. I've been able to. Um, work on the anxiety. I think the ADHD also plays plays a role with that. There's a little bit of that, yeah, kind of impulsivity with eating. Um, and I didn't know for many years I had it, even though I was told I had it. I wasn't actually diagnosed until right before COVID. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I'm going on a tangent, but I do think as far as is the intuition, what I would say to people is stop listening to what everyone else is telling you and start paying attention to what your body needs and don't shame yourself. I mm. think if you can if you can really like you said we all know what's healthy and what's not healthy, right? So I try to live by like the 80/20 rule. I don't shame Love myself. That. Right? Like the week days are usually I'm a little better and on the weekends I'm like I'm just going to do whatever I want. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you know, I've also like in the process of figuring out that Hashimoto's, I went, you know, I've tried to try a lot of things. I had to take out certain foods, put certain foods back in. I know what's working for me and what's not. I'm very in touch with my body. 
uh, you have to stop and breathe and not quiet the mind because we don't have a silent mind, but if you quiet the noise around you, you can tap mm. into your own feelings and your own needs versus what everyone else is telling you that you need. That's awesome. There's really like two prongs to this from what I'm hearing is one, self-observation. In order to get that self-observation and realize that, hey, I eat when I'm anxious. So therefore, like I have this observation to reduce or change this habit. You need to consume less, like consume less of the noise because we have access to so much knowledge and we can really use social media and use the internet and use all of the knowledge that we can have as a tool. But we can also use it to our detriment by saying, oh, you know, maybe keto's for me, maybe vegan's for me, maybe paleo's for me, maybe Pilates is for me, maybe like resistance training is for me. And we kind of get lost in other people's reality that we lose touch with ourselves and therefore, you know, maybe get gaslighted by doctors or, you know, don't really know what's going on internally because we haven't had that space for self-observation. I think that was like a really cool way to to explain that. Oh, yeah. No, that's so, that's such a great summary of that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, let's dive into hormones and digestive health because yeah. digestive health causes inflammation, which takes a lot of energy in the body. And then we've also hormone health that can affect our stress. It can affect our sleep. It can affect so much. It can affect how we metabolize things. So I think because you had access to viewing so many different people's data, can you data set, sorry, datas, <laughs> data sets? Um, I'm, <laughs> I, I guess I'm not the data girly. I'm the speaking. <laughs> I, I tell people about the things. Yeah, can you give yeah. me like the too long, didn't read or like, a few different things that you've observed from looking at so many different people's like hormones and digestive health. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the biggest pieces is the stress component mm. and cortisol levels being off, whether too high or too low. I mean, I think more often than not, they're going to be too high and digestion's a top down process. So before you even put food in your mouth, digestion has started. So that's yeah. crazy. I didn't crazy. know that. Yeah. Because your, your brain is the, you know, it smells the food, the digestive right. start flowing and you really, your body needs to be in a parasympathetic state to prioritize digesting your food mm. versus being in that fight or flight state where things will shut off. Yes. So, so the hormones get affected immediately if you're eating on the go or if you're, mm. you know, eating, I don't know. I mean, eating, watching TV and it's a, it's a um, really scary movie or a TV show, or there's a lot of violence. I have a funny, this is a quick, funny story. Oh, this is very typical. LA. I, I love was, stories. Tell me. I was with <laughs> my friends eating in Beverly Hills Two, two of my friends are sisters. And one of them has a friend in New York who was attacked like really viciously on the street. And she was talking about it and wanted, she's like, do you want to see the video? I, I don't remember the exact, what how it came up, but I, my response was no, because we're about to eat and I want to be able to digest my food properly. You know <laughs> what I mean? And they were like overheard LA. Like they were just like, that's so amazing. Like, you know. So... <laughs> It's like, 
the things that you just like come out of your mouth when you're in this wellness where it is kind of amusing, but so that's one of the, so that is something that is, that is hilarious. I do love that. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in that conversation. And by the way, I'm dumbing it down because I don't remember exactly how, and I think it was even funnier. We, I ha- yeah, we had yeah. it down somewhere because my friend texted it to me after. She's like, this is the funniest thing ever. And well, everyone's very, very West Coast, babe. Very West Coast. <laughs> Every once in a while, she'll text me just that quote. I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. So, yeah. So, so I, so it's so simple and it's so basic, but that is really important. If you can, sit down and eat with people. Um, that also is community. It helps you eat slower. It, it helps you put the fork down. It helps you. I think if you're having a nice conversation, it helps mm. versus if you're getting in a fight, then eating is probably not the best idea. So that's one thing. And then my tangeny. What would like you wanted to know about digestion and hormones, right? Is that what we're talking yes. about? Yes, yes. Just, just my like ADD, just my ADD no, brain. No, no. I'm probably similar. I'm on ADHD podcast because I got so um sorry TikTok algorithm. For some reason, I don't know if I have it, but maybe I just have the HD of it. So I feel you because I'm like, oh, squirrel. Sorry, yes. I'm here for the squirrels. Yeah. Um, yes, it. but we're talking about. From all the tests you've seen, kind of like oh, yeah. common advice you're giving people. So one is giving people the advice of slow down when you eat, be mindful when you eat. What else? Yes, yes, yes. And then another thing is, so since I started kind of focusing on the perimenopausal world with estrogen, so your estrogen and a progesterone are like this, these like dance partners that should be really working I read that in one of the, my resources, be working beautifully together. But when you start to enter perimenopause, which can start in your late thirties mm. into forties and fifties, they start to get out of sync. So, so with that hormone dysregulation comes a lot of digestive dysfunction. So S so estrogen starts to slowly decline while estrogen, sorry, progesterone starts to slowly decline while estrogen does this like up and down and up and down. And that, can cause a lot of digestive distress. So one of the things you want to try to do is eat. You want to eat a lot of fiber because we want to nurture that microbiome. You want to, again, do your best to, to eat in that parasympathetic state. You want to eat. So eat a lot of fiber, eat a lot of crucifer- cruciferous vegetables. You know, That's a big word. Can you tell me what that means? (laughs) Cruciferous vegetables are things like um, Brussels sprouts. Yes. Okay. Those kind of things. Yeah. Green leafy kind of green veggies. Yeah. And they're really good. You know, first, if you're adding fiber, if you haven't been eating a lot of fiber and you start to add fiber in, just this is just an FYI for people, if you don't know, or PSA, add it in slowly because the stomach is a you know, adapt to that. You don't want to just like, I have to eat this much fiber and like shove it in your mouth. Um, and then, and then the other component to this, by the way, is people aren't eating enough. People aren't eating enough protein. And that mm. messes with one of the things they can do is blood sugar because people aren't satiated enough. So yes, not eating enough protein, you're eating all the other things, uh, which often tend to be carbs and carbs in, in and of themselves aren't bad. There's the like processed carbs, which we all, we, we know this, right? Uh, but 
there is a point where it's too much, right? So we pro- protein is really important on so many levels. So, so yeah, so hormones can really disrupt the the digestive tract in the sense that because they're all over the place, there's a lot of rewiring that's going on in the brain. Mm. So you just want to try to nurture that as much as you can. And that it, it's not complicated. It comes back to like the simple things, eating in yes. a state, making sure you're getting your fiber, basically eating like a nutrient dense whole food diet, right? With protein, healthy fats and carbs. Yeah. And lots of, right. Carbs, veggies, same thing. So <laughs> I love that, Kristen, because it's like people are coming to you for like, hormone health and for digestive health or whatever it is, implementing new habits. Yes, there's probably other things people can do, but for the vast majority, it's slowing down when you eat, getting in a little bit more fiber through those whole foods, whole vegetables, and finding a way to kind of balance out those macronutrients a bit. Maybe carbs are great, but let's replace some of those carbs with proteins because protein's going to help you feel full for longer. So that's a really... I, I love the work that you're doing here in terms of like helping people, not just like, I, I know that you can add supplements and stuff, but helping them with with more of the, that whole food kind of diet. Something that's kind of like speaking out to me throughout this podcast is that you studied sociology and you've spoken about community a couple of times. So little story sidebar, I, when I'm a girlfriend, I, when, when I'm with my partner, I need to like eat with them. And my ex-boyfriend, um, like as a girlfriend, I would always wait for him and he would get like angry about it. He'd be like, eat now, eat now. Like, wait, I'm almost done. And it's like, I, I think that community is just like embedded within me that I'm just like, no, I need to like eat with other people. I can't, maybe it's extrovert, maybe it's community, but just like knowing who I am and knowing that like community is so important to me, like circle of influence I've noticed is so important and I love building community. Hey, that's why we're on the podcast. Um, can you share like a little bit of your experience with either your sociology degree or with like um, with being a Pilates teacher what you do now, like how community can help people? Yeah, you know, community is one of those God, who is it? It's Dr. Vivek Murphy. He's our, I, I, this is embarrassing. He is one of our, he's in the White House right now is something. I can't remember exactly what it is. That's all right. I don't even know the prime minister in Australia right now. So. Okay. <laughs> no, and I have his book somewhere. It's called Together. Um, yes. But he wrote a book and it's about community. And he, during COVID, he talked to, um, I think it was Mark, someone on Instagram. I just watched and I, and anyway, I was like, God, this is, I remember I was like taking all these notes and this is so interesting. And I'm actually, I'm an, I'm an introvert. I can mm. socialize, but I'm an introvert. Like I definitely gain my energy by being home. And I, and I get a lot of my socializing, like through my job when I'm with people. So I'm home a lot and I live alone. And so I love going to friends for dinner because it just, like mm. there is something about it, you know, we're going to lunch with people. So I'm not alone. I mean, I, things were during COVID it was, it was tough. And that we, that's was like a huge, there's so much mental health stuff that we are kind of seeing now um, more than ever, I think. And it's totally because of the lack of community, especially people who did live alone, you know? Mm. And, um, 
So, so yeah. So community, I think that be, we're not meant to be alone. I've talked about this a lot with my therapist. We, we are, we are meant to be in groups, right. And around yes. people. that doesn't mean every second of every day, but I, I do believe that if, you know, if you're, if you're like super shy, if you're an introvert, like I, I can, I get it, but there's always, you don't need a ton of friends. You just need to have a few friends. Like I think sometimes people think it's an all or nothing. And it's obviously easy for me to say this. I have lots of friends from different parts of my life. I'm close with my family. I have clients that I love and I get to interact with people. And, you know, I feel very full, but I do live alone and I can get lonely in that sense. So I Mm. do lot by myself. But I heard someone on some show the other day, uh, I was watching some silly reality show and she was like, I FaceTime my friends in a meeting because I live alone. And I was like, that's such a good idea, right? Like it's yes. gonna, even if you are alone, you still can be, that's the great thing about technology. You can be with someone. Yes. So, and I just, again, like I, I need to, I don't know the full science behind it, but there's, there is, enough, like there is science that it's clearly out there, right? That we, we sit with people, you sit across from people that you like, you're calm, you communicate, you don't eat as fast. I, you know, it's just, it's, I, I love it. I love going over to friends for dinner or out to a restaurant. Hey, Holistic Fitness fam, a quick message from one of our sponsors, Ned. As you all know, I recommend good nutrition, movement, and stress management practices before supplementing so you know what type of supplementation that your body actually needs. For me, I supplement with very few products, but Ned is one of them. I'm a type A, high-energy, ambitious business girly with massive goals, and sometimes I honestly just need to chill out and relax a bit. I've found that both Ned's de-stress and sleep blends fit in with my busy lifestyle and ambitious goals, but I was honestly not a big fan of CBD products before trying Ned, mostly because of the culture surrounding weed. I just didn't want something that was going to alter my state of mind so that I became much less of a goal getter or less ambitious. That was until I learned about full spectrum hemp and their benefits. Ned blends a chock full of premium CBD and a full spectrum hemp of active cannabinoids. Ned's full spectrum hemp oil nourishes the body's endocannabinoid system to offer functional support for stress, sleep, inflammation, and balance. These products are science-backed, nature-based solutions that offer an alternative to prescription and over-the-counter drugs. All of Ned's full-spectrum hemp oil is extracted from USDA-certified organic hemp plants grown by an independent farmer named Jonathan in Colorado. I'm obviously a big fan, but don't take just my word for it. Ned CBD products have over 2,000 five-star reviews, and they work with incredible partners in the medical field like Dr. Caroline Leaf, Dr. Christian Gonzalez, and Dr. Will Cole. Ned is providing Holistic Fitness podcast listeners a very special discount. If you'd like to give Ned a try, listeners get 15% off Ned products with the code Lori Lee, L-O-R-I-L-E-E. Thanks, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering a natural remedy to bring balance to so many people's well-being. Community and social wellness, I feel like is, is underlooked. And I totally agree with you. Like I personally live at, live at home by myself. Like I've been living by myself for about three years now. And, 
And I, I'm an extrovert, so I gain energy from being around others. But it's, it's finding ways to build community, whether it's like having these conversations like we are right now, whether it's via social media or via um, FaceTime. I did actually watch a Netflix show that it was um, studying like the highest amount of centenarians. Centenarians. Oh, the ones live the longest. Yeah, live over one hundred. And there was like this island. I think it was off Sardinia in um in Italy, where there's like a really high percentage of people who like live to over one hundred. And like one of the number one factors for that was community. Like the great great uncle is still making the pasta sauce for like twenty people, and then like the niece is making all of the pasta, and like the fact that they all have their role, it like gives people something to live for and 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 a way to connect with others. And I found that really interesting when I watched that, and that there was there was actually a science behind it, studying it, and it's like yes, eating well and moving often really important, but also feeling connected and feeling like you're adding value to something greater than yourself is also really important. It is really important. I I. And I think it's, I think people are starting to talk about it now that again, maybe because of the pandemic, but it is undervalued overall compared to the other things. And I get it. People aren't necessarily, people get home from work and they're tired, but what they don't realize is maybe being around people versus, you know, like you need to reset. That's fine. I understand that, but make sure you make time to be around other people because I do you know, there's a lot of mental health stuff going on in our country. I can't speak for other countries, but I, we know there's a correlation between that and our phones and, and t- social media. And it's like, you're not really with people. It might feel like you are because you're watching people. I do it too. I'm like, this isn't, I need to interact with actually my friends and not watch. Yes. <laughs> watch memes. <laughs> yeah. It's not, that's not helping my mental health. So I know they've, you know, it's good. There's apps that help you put a limit on how much time you spend on your phone and stuff like that. I go for a walk with one of my neighbors. We got close during COVID and I love, like, I love that. It's just, you just have to figure out ways that make it work for you. Like I, that's an hour. I know that I can go for a walk, come back home. It's not too draining for me again, as an introvert, like I'm getting my steps in. I'm having community interaction and that's great, you know? And I think more people are working from home. So I, so I, I think this is something that we need to still, we need to talk more about and we need to really exactly. discuss ways to build it into our lives. People with kids need to start talking about that with them. You know, I, you can't, people have their own personalities, but so you have to work obviously with your own personality. We're all individual, uh, but community, I'm going to emphasize community for sure. I love that. And and like when you said it comes back to the individuals, that comes back to what you mentioned about intu- intuition as well, observing yourself, knowing yes. how you gain your energy and then choosing to engage in activities that either energize you or you know are essential for your overall well-being. Something yeah. that else that I know you speak about a lot is stress and stress yeah. management. And that can put your hormones out of whack. And you did allude to, you know, most people having like higher cortisol. So can you tell me like, how one would go about reducing stress thing as we seem to be an increasingly stressed population. I know it really is. It's crazy. I just think of, yeah, it's how much it's increased. We've, you know, the world and people have always had stress there. You know, you think about the wars that we've gone through and not, yes. and, and not living with electricity and, you know, you know, our lifespan was so much younger we live longer lives now. 
we have we are exposed to stress isn't just we're not running from a bear stretch stress is constant it's it's like driving down the street it's watching the shows which i totally do it's mm-hmm. the food that we're putting in our system <clears throat> it's the lack of, st- of sleep that we're getting and all that stuff is contributing to stress so you we all have control. I don't want, you know, I always tell people like, don't get stressed out trying to figure out how to de-stress. What you need to figure <laughs> out are like, how are ways throughout the day, like a mom, like a busy mom who works, I'm, parents, but you know, a lot of it falls on a mom, but like moms who work to me, I feel like have so much stress, yes. you know, and their priority is never themselves. It's like, and I have my friend who owns a studio that I work at. She's Two kids, she owns a studio. I mean, it was insane during COVID and she's been sick a lot. And it's a hundred percent because of stress. Yes. And there are times in your life where like, okay, I can't control this pandemic and the studio is being closed. You know, it is going to be a little stressful with the kids home and I have to work, but what can I control? I can control the food that I'm putting in my body. I can control, hopefully to some degree, the amount of sleep I'm getting. That's a little tricky with kids. Um, I can control, you know, take, stop, take some deep breaths. There are all these different breathing techniques. There's an equal breathing. There's the four, seven, eight breathing. You can look online and Google them. You know, there's a bunch of stress reducing um, breath techniques that Mm. I will detest you. They work. I run more anxious and I do it and they calm me down. You know, there's, there's getting out in nature. I, I, and I don't want to overstate the importance of that. Get out in nature. Everyone I know, everyone I know will say it calms them. Put your feet on the grass or in the sand or in the ocean, go into the mountains. Uh, just try to become like present where you are looking around. I mean, sometimes if I'm driving, my mind's wandering. It's like, okay, there's a tree. There's a greenhouse. There's a stop sign. It sounds silly, but it brings you into the, you can't have a thousand thoughts at once, right? You're, you're like not thinking about the future or the past. If you're looking at what is around you, Um, you know, you have to find Tai Chi is good. I don't do that, but I know people love Tai Chi, yoga, meditation, meditation may be lying down and just like taking some breaths. Meditation might be listening to someone walk you through meditation. So there are so many different, uh, ways people can implement that you know find a buddy to help hold you accountable if that's what you need um i'm one of those people i mean i i know what i can do to for my stress management but some people need a little a little help <laughs> mm-hmm. i love that so as well you've just yes you've given people so many tools there as well there's there's breath work there's meditation there's accountability from a friend there's yoga and I think like the one thing to hit on with the breath work as well is that you don't have to do anything com- like complicated. It's literally exhaling longer than your inhale mm-hmm. activates your parasympathetic nervous system. So I did breath work, um, breath work w- w- with my yoga teacher training. And Got it's it. like literally you can just keep it so simple and exhale for more seconds than you yeah. inhale. You know, it doesn't have to be super crazy. And I love also how you mentioned like when you're driving, focusing on what's around you because I know like a therapy technique I was given is like, okay, what's like five things you can see, four things you can hear, three things you can smell, like two things you can hear. And that is such like a simple 
but great way just to get into that present moment. And especially if you're outdoors and I don't know what it is about outdoors. I'm sure there's studies out there, but it just makes you feel like so alive. (laughs) I I agree. And I I don't, yeah, it's just bringing you back to nature and, you know, especially if you live in a really pretty place and you're just like, this is amazing that we're here. You know, yes. like in Jackson Hole, those magics, the Tetons are like magical. Those mountains are magical. And it's, it's just breathtaking to me. And I'm, I'm, to me, that is like the ocean and the mountains for me are so grounding. That mm. is, that's what works for me. That might not work for someone else. Right. Yes. But like, that works for me. If I'm feeling yeah. like, way it's like get out in nature go down to the ocean and there's you know if I if I need to breathe breathing I'd say those two things and breathing are the two things that really help me yes with, with my nervous system also I like kids hanging out with kids because they mm, that they, energy they just take me out of my life and I get to go into their life so that is that is really helpful. They're not my kids. So it's easy to be like, all right, peace out when I'm done, you know? (laughs) Bye. (laughs) I love that. Something that really resonated with me though, is like the magic places that we have locally. So I was watching the Lover's Blind finale last night. Okay. So uh, big fan. By the way, way, she's the one who FaceTimes with, uh, sorry, Chelsea is the one who FaceTimes with um, friends when she's eating alone. Oh, is that, that's her. Okay. Yes. I love that. Yes, I love that because I feel very Chelsea as well. I live alone. I love pink. Like my apartment looks like a 30-year-old single girl's apartment. Oh my God, that's amazing. (laughs) So I was watching the finale last night and I was trying to figure out where those weddings were at because it. I'm like, that has to be Hawaii. That looks like Hawaii. And then I Googled it and it was... Washington, just out from Seattle. It's crazy. I know. I've been there before. Not, I don't know where they got married, but I've, I've been to Seattle and the area in Washington a few times. Oh, it's gorgeous. Right. And some of those islands, it's like insane. Yeah. It was, it started with S-N-O-Q and then had a really long last name. Snock, blah, blah, blah. I don't yeah, know. Right. I'll, I'll look it up. I know it was gorgeous. I was like, same thing. I'm like, where are they? Where? And yeah. Like, Wait, they're in Seattle area. Uh, yeah. I was convinced. I was convinced it was Hawaii until minor spoiler alert for anyone that hasn't watched it, watch this when it releases in May, probably this episode. <laughs> but, um, the, when Brett went to the Taylor, that's, that's when I realized oh. that it wasn't Hawaii. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Good point. That's a good (laughs) Yes. Before we close, I know there's one subject we haven't delved into as much and it's really, you know, where you got started, Pilates. So, um, you know, I help people through yoga, meditation and fitness, but Pilates is something I don't really know that much about and I don't really know the benefits so much. So if anyone's listening to this podcast, thinking about getting started with Pilates, wondering if it's really worth it for them, could you give us like a little bit of your perspective of why you fell in love with it and why you think it's so beneficial. Yeah. So I think because I was a gymnast and a diver, there's something about the like flowy movement that I was really drawn to. So I got trained classically and classical Pilates is really a big part of that is the transition from one movement to the next. Mm -hmm. And 
It makes sense to me. I think, again, this is a little bit of like the ADHD brain, the structure of it. I just love the flow. I love the purpose of it. Each exercise leads to the next exercise. Mm. you. And, and so I love, I love that part of it. I also really very quickly felt the benefits of Pilates for my own body. I had back issues, I think from gymnastics when I was younger. And while I'm always going to have to manage that. It's actually like back hip. It has helped my core strengthen, my back muscle strengthen. And Pilates is so much about elongating an opposition. As right. you build your core, you're able to freely move your limbs. That's really how I, there's a lot to Pilates, but that's how I look at it. And it's changed a lot over the years. I got certified 20 years ago. I've been doing it for 20 plus years. So it's more, there's a lot more classes now and it's more of like a power like me, we, you know, the way I teach, we play music and it's like very beat based, which I love again, because it's like the dancey background. But I, I, the reason I talk about the importance of Pilates, I also, especially being perimenopausal, like fitness training, strength training is really important and resistance mm. training. I'm all about all of it, right? I think it's important that we do it all. Well, we do what we like, but we figure out ways to get in the things that we like. So, yeah. like but, Pilates is low impact. And as you get a little older and as your um, hormones start to lower, it, it like inflammation can start to increase. Pilates is, is really great for that because it helps to strengthen all the little muscles around your joints. You want to keep that really healthy because it's low impact. You don't have that same kind of muscle, like you'll get sore, but it's not going to be the same as if you were lifting super heavy weights. Yes. Which by the way, I feel like there's also when I weight train and the way I train, I'm not dying. Like I feel it, but I'm, I'm like, I can move, you know, I'm not getting to the place where I can't, I'm wrecked, but yes. yeah, Pilates also has a little bit of a mindfulness component to it. So you really mm. have to focus on what's going on to really get, I don't know, to, to get the most out of it. You'll get benefits. Mm. No matter what. Uh, it helps and anyone can do it. You can do it as a kid. You can do it all the way up into your nineties. I have a 90 year old client right now. So I, I just, I think that it can be done in its own because it can be done individually, whether you need to scale it down or whether you can do it when you're pregnant or postpartum or in your nineties or an athlete or, you know, or like getting ready for your wedding or something. There's like so many yeah. ways you can have. And a good teacher knows how to do what the client needs mm. um, for, and I don't know. I just think it's a really great overall longevity type of modality. Yeah, for sure. It sounds so accessible because you're not just getting like the resistance training aspect in it, but you're also getting that mobility, which is so important to age gracefully is to remain mobile because it's not about looking really hot or having like a really big booty from lifting heavy weights. It's being able to squat down, being able to hinge to pick things up, being able to stretch and um, mobility, whether it's via Pilates or through stretching, is so important. I feel like um, if I was a Pilates teacher, and maybe I will do my qualifications one day, I would be a classical one as well because yeah. um, I'm ex-ballet and gymnastics. Oh, yeah. Here's the thing, though. <clears throat> so I, we, so with our teacher training at this studio I teach at at Sphere, we teach all the classical reformer exercises, and then we... Also, because things have changed and modernized a little bit, we want teachers to be able to teach in the modern world, right? So it's like we teach Correct, yeah. the foundation and then you understand how to teach um, 
a little bit more to what people might want or need want, today. Yeah, yeah. But no, I love it. It's still, it's so fun. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, I've been teaching. When I'm, someone recently asked me like, how are you still doing? And I'm like, well, I love what I do. You know, like I've mixed it up. If I was just teaching Pilates the same way I was teaching 20 years ago, yeah, like I'd be bored, but I'm teacher, I'm a teacher trainer. I do nutrition. I get to like focus on this perimenopause time and I've released this program, which I'm really excited about, you know. So it's it's yeah, I keep busy. <laughs> yeah, no, that's wait. awesome. Yeah. And I'm so glad you found what you love because I think, you know, whether it's a corporate job or whether it's a Pilates teacher or whether it's a yoga teacher or like whatever you're doing, if you do it from a place of intention and love, your students or who you're serving, like whether it's clients, receive so much more from you and and receive all that wisdom. Definitely. We've spoken about a lot, hormone health, digestive health, Pilates, nutrition, social wellness, like the list goes on and what we've spoken about. Is there anything you feel like we haven't covered that you like really want the audience to know before we move to our closing question? Yeah, I think one thing I did want to touch on is that exercise is really important to our overall health. We all know that. Mm. What is detrimental is over-exercising. And I do believe that that can be a little bit of a problem people don't understand. Um, why, if they're trying to make some changes or if they're feeling really stressed in their body and they're not totally sure why, one thing you need to consider is how much are you exercising, right? Your body does need a rest. I understand that people need that as a stress. It is a type of stress reduction in their mind, but make sure it's not always high intensity, right? If you're really Mm -hmm. stressed, Maybe that's not to that's like that's not the day to do like a really hardcore workout. That might be a day to maybe tone it down. You have control over the exercise that you're doing, and because we're all again by individual individual, you don't need to listen to what everyone else is saying. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. Like we all know, we need to work out. <laughs> we need yes. to get the heart rate up. So many minutes a you know a week. We need to strength for our bones, for our muscles, for our. We need to exercise in general for our brain health, right? So, so our, for our like lymphatic system, that needs movement, right? So, so movement heals. We know that we need to move, but what we don't need to do is move so hard all the time that it's it's just too much. So, I think that's probably the last bit I will say. And that's so important because so many of us like self-medicate or choose to do movement in a way that is indicative of who they are. So Mm -hmm. if you're very high stress and you're quite anxious, often you'll go to the CrossFit, go to HIIT, or you'll do like running or something like that when what you eat is something that will be good for your digestion, will be put you into that more of rest and digest state. So maybe it is a yin yoga class. Maybe it's a lower intensity Pilates class. And conversely, people who maybe are in more of that depressive state and not moving often, they might want to do yin more or want to do the more relaxed states. And they actually may need a bit of a uh, a bit of a boost when it comes to, (laughs) comes to their hormones. So I think that that most people are in the former category though, where they actually need a little bit more, they need to move away from the high intensity stuff. But I, I think that's an awesome note to end on because a lot of people don't consider that. Yeah. And that really, going back to what we talked about at the beginning, can really mess up your hormones. So yeah. 
Yeah, it's all, we're all connected. <laughs> it's like yes. the whole body works together as a system. <laughs> yes, it all is co- connected. Kristen, we do have a final question on this podcast. And that question is, if you were sitting across the table from your 20-year-old self right now, what one sentence of advice would you give her? Hmm. Such a good question. I would tell that person, me, <laughs> My 20 <laughs> to be kinder to herself. Yes. Very hard. She was very hard on herself. And it, it, w- with that comes a lot. So mm. yeah, be kinder to yourself. Don't, don't take yourself too seriously. <laughs> and that is so important because it's so easy to fall in that trap no matter where you are in your journey. So I'm sure a lot of people can resonate with that of, hey, I should probably stop beating myself up too much. <laughs> yeah, it's so simple, but it's it's really sometimes the most simple piece of advice is the most helpful. And I think with wisdom, with 20 years, uh, I've learned, I've learned to, yeah, be kinder and I stop when that. I need to stop, rest when I need to rest. Exactly. I'm sure a lot of people listening want to know more about digestive health, hormonal health, Pilates. So where can everyone find you and get in touch with you? So my Instagram is, I'm mostly on Instagram for as far as social media is Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N, the number four Pilates. It's the one that I had when I had, when I first started and I just can't bring myself to change it. So that's what it is. It's wonderful. You yeah, are for Pilates. It's so cute. <laughs> and then my mom did Kristen, Nancy for bridge because she loves bridge that I know it's the cutest thing ever. I and, love that. <laughs> And she got on. And then, so, so that's Instagram. And then my website is just Kristen O. Matthews. So K-R-I-S-T-E-N-O Matthews, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-S.com. And on there, I just have the different things that I'm doing. I have um, my 28-day my perimenopause program. There's information on that. And you can purchase that there if anyone's interested in that. It's really cool. It's a great like workout and nutrition lifestyle guidance. I love it. Yay. And I'm sure so many people will gain so much value from that as well, because um, I know. Yeah. Sorry. Go on. No, my mom, my mom had me young, by the way. So don't feel old here. Um, my mom's 51 or 50, 51, I think. So she's in perimenopause or like just yeah. hitting menopause. Yeah. And I know like a lot of what you're speaking about would really resonate with her and her friends because she was always small all her life and she's still small. So her putting on weight is like not really putting on that much weight, but relative to her it is. Um, and yeah, she's definitely like coming to terms with those changes. And I'm sure that just like witnessing that with my mom. Hopefully she doesn't mind me sharing that. Sorry, mom, if you do. Um, Yeah. Like I know that that would help a lot of people. Yeah, no, that's cool. No, there's a lot of information about that. It's great. The workouts are really fun. I'm really proud of it. So that's like my big thing right now, but yeah. So Instagram, I talk about all the, like all we talked about is what I talk about on there. Plotties and all that stuff. Yeah. Digestion. Those are my main things. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast and I'm sure that many people want to get in touch with you and learn more about what you do. So thanks so much for joining. Thanks so much for having me. It was really great talking with you. Oh, wonderful. And for anyone listening at home, driving in the car, cleaning the house, whatever you're doing, eat well, move well, breathe well. And until next time, keep shining. Keep shining.